0: Mm-hmm. In both Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 and Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20, we see God can work through anyone to advance his kingdom. In the story of Jesus' birth, we see two different groups that don't seem like they should be a part of these events. The first are the shepherds that had their flocks nearby. An angel came and proclaimed the glorious news to them, and the skies were filled with a heavenly army singing praises to God. The shepherds went to see Jesus, and they told others what they had seen. The second group are the wise men who came from far away. They had seen the star at Jesus's birth and they came to worship him. The shepherds were not typically a part of regular society and the wise men were foreigners, but God used them to share about Jesus's birth and proclaim his greatness. Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. In today's episode, we continue the series, Jesus at the Center of Christmas. The message is titled, Pursued by Outsiders. At the end of today's episode are details about the Brookwood Church candlelight Christmas Eve services on December 23rd and 24th. Here's founding pastor, Perry Duggar, with today's message.
1: We continue our Christmas series, Christ at the Center of of Christmas. Today's message is entitled Pursued by Outsiders. Who do you think the outsiders are in the Christmas story? Wise men? Shepherds. You got it. You that's truth. The wise men and the shepherds, and these two groups, it's rather unusual that they were included and they were specifically chosen by God and issued supernatural invitations. To demonstrate to us, as well as to them, that even outsiders are invited to come to the Savior born in Bethlehem. The theme verse, you can take out your outline. And I've chosen it from Ephesians chapter 2. And it says, He came with good news of peace for you who were far away and for those who were near. As we begin, where are you? Are you far away? Are you near? Which one? These outsiders included first the wise men who were from far away. They're found in Matthew chapter 2. And this Bible available here is page 772. I begin at verse 1, Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now the word worship is an unusual one. I thought, did they come knowing that he was The Savior, did they just come looking for a king? The word worship literally means to prostrate oneself, to show reverence, to adore. So it may not be an expression of faith, but it certainly is an expression of respect. The Bible doesn't provide much information about these wise men. The Greek word is more literally translated or transliterated magi, and many of your translations use the word magi. It's almost certain that they were not kings. They likely served kings. They were probably advisors to kings because they were scholars and scientists and also sorcerers. The word translated magi from the Greek can also be translated sorcerer. So these wise men provided counsel to rulers on matters of religion, science, medicine, mathematics, and even law. But they also interpreted dreams and they divine wisdom using occult magic. Now we don't know how many there were. Do any of you know? How many do you have at home? <laughs> Wonder why there's three. It's because of three gifts, of course. But we have no idea, and there likely were many more than three. But the three gifts certainly don't prove how many givers there were. Now, the Magi from eastern lands might have traveled from Arabia. Some scholars make an argument for Arabia. But it could have been Asia or India or even China. But most likely, in my opinion, is that it was either from the land of the Medes and Persians, which today would be what? Iran. Or from Babylon, which today would be Iraq. These were men who searched the sky looking for signs and they combined the science of astronomy with the superstition of astrology. See, during that time there was little distinction between the two. And so this gives us a clue, I think, how these men, who were not Jews, who were Gentiles from far away, how they knew about the birth of this Messiah King. It might have been Daniel, because you remember Babylon invaded Israel and captured the very best and took them back into Babylon and actually had them serve in the household of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel was one of those. And so it could have been Daniel or one of the other Jewish captives who told the Babylonians about the one true king. The one who prophesied that a Messiah would come many years later. It was 600 years later. And who taught them about the prophecy that spoke of that coming ruler. Numbers 24 is an interesting passage. And it says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel in Numbers chapter 24. And it's interesting, you know, we think of and we sing songs that say that the wise men followed the star. But the scripture in Matthew chapter 2 doesn't say that at verse 2. It says they saw the star and then they traveled. They may have come to Jerusalem because where else would you find a new king other than the religious and the governmental center of a country? So that was the most obvious place to travel to. And you see in that passage, once they arrived, they didn't follow a star at this point. They started asking people, where is this newborn king? Where can we find him? Because they thought everyone would know about this king. In verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Why were people disturbed? Herod was a ruthless king. But this says not only was Herod uh, disturbed, everyone in Jerusalem was disturbed. wonder why. Because three kings rode in on camels. Now it was likely an entire army. Because they traveled through hostile Roman lands. So there would have been a large group, a caravan... And they would have had supplies and animals. In fact, these wise men were likely riding on Arabian ponies. But they probably used camels to pack all of the cargo that they brought with them. But Herod was jealous for his throne. And so when they started asking about a new king, it made him very suspicious. And also the people... Maybe they were just afraid because they saw armed men coming into town. Maybe they just knew that this man Herod was so cruel that he might start killing, go on a killing rampage again as he had before. So he called together a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and he asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? He was the king of the Jews, but he didn't know that. Because you see, he was given this throne... As a gift, because his father had done favors for the emperor. He wasn't really interested in the Jewish faith at all. He just he didn't like them to resist him. So he portrayed himself as a Jew, though he wasn't a Jew. And he didn't know where this Messiah would be born. Their answer was in Bethlehem in Judea. And that's based on fulfillment of prophecy from Micah 5 and also 2 Samuel 5. These Magi, as I said, weren't Gentiles. I mean, were Gentiles. They were not Jews. And they came from far away to see this Messiah King. They traveled at least 800 miles. And it may have been much more. It may have been two or three times more. And they journeyed for at least several months. But it could have been as much as two years. In fact, they said that they had seen the star two years before. They came to worship, to adore, to give respect and honor to this new king. But I wonder how they viewed him. I wonder if they viewed him only as another human ruler. They were scholars. They pursued learning. They liked new experiences. But they already served a king in a distant land. So I wonder, did they intend to come and begin worshiping, enter the faith to follow this new Savior, to become followers of Jehovah, Yahweh, the Hebrew God, or were they just men who were traveling around and exploring? They liked discovering new information and they were intrigued by this new king. I don't think it's clear. I wonder if some of us are like that. Some of you may be from a distant land. You might be from a different faith or you may come from no faith at all. You might just be curious about what does Christianity have to say? What does it teach? Who do Christians worship? You know, it's interesting in our culture, in my lifetime, our culture has gone through different periods. There have been periods where Atheism, agnosticism was actually in vogue. That's not today. Today, religious faith is very popular. But it takes the form of a broad acceptance of faith. Many faiths, all faiths. And they're all seen as equal and interchangeable virtually. You just choose the one you like. That's much more popular today. Now, few people reject God. God is acknowledged, accepted at some level, but he may be even referred to as a source, sort of a vague power in the universe. Or he might even be a God light within you, a Christ consciousness that's that's really more about worshiping who you are than there being an independent God beyond you that we worship. And so I urge you, be like Magi. If you're wondering about who God is, go on a journey. Expend some effort to discover who God is. And the way you learn who God is, is not by reading social media. What do people on Facebook say? What about YouTube or TikTok? That's not where you find it. You find it in God's Word. And ask God Himself who He is. Because what matters is not who I say He is. It's who He says He is. Because if He's God, He's not a projection of my opinions or my mind. He's independent of me, and I'm called to worship Him. Gather information. Study. Ask people who seem to know something about God. Purchase resources. Our bookstore has probably a dozen different apologetics books. And the word apologetics, apology means an argument for. And there are many different subjects that that are considered. Creation is one. Inspiration of Scripture. What about difficulties in the Bible? There are many, many different books that you can buy and really study to discover who God is, who God says He is. And most important, ask God to show show you Himself. Because faith, you see, comes in an experience, a personal encounter with God Himself. Are there any magi among us? Are there any wise men or wise women who are pursuing the king that was born in Bethlehem? Another group of outsiders were shepherds. And they were shepherds who came from nearby. We turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. You know what we learned from that? That Jesus wasn't likely born in the winter. He was much more likely born in the spring when it was warm. And shepherds were out in the fields with their sheep. You say, well, why do we worship or why do we recognize Christmas as being in December? Well, it's probably the Christianization of a Roman holiday called Saturnalia. Which, was, which occurred in December. The shortest day of the year, December 21st. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. What were they scared about? What do you think? What's that? Seeing light at night, yes. Or just the appearance of angels. You know, we can understand why an angel appeared to Mary and then another appeared to Joseph in a dream. They were the parents of the Savior who was going to be born in such an unusual way. They would have a lot of questions. But why shepherds? Well, these shepherds were Jewish, but they weren't righteous, they weren't even religious. Their work with animals, with sheep in particular, made them ceremonially unclean. So they weren't allowed to attend the synagogue to hear the scriptures read. They were not given admission into the temple. They couldn't participate in sacrifices or festivals. They were uneducated and uncultured. They were disdained as the lowest class in their society. And they were treated with much contempt by virtually everyone. They were despised and Mistrusted, They were thought to be thieves and liars. People didn't trust them when they came around. In fact, it was assumed that when they were speaking, they were lying, so they weren't even allowed to give testimony in court. But an angel of the Lord appeared to them, announcing the impending birth of the Savior. Since they were Jews, they probably knew something about the Messiah, the king that would come in the future. Their parents may have told them. But they certainly would have doubted whether a Messiah king, who they thought would actually take over the throne, would accept them. Or that they would benefit in any way from this king. These were men who were avoided by anyone of importance. And yet... They were accepted by a large group of angels. Verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven. Praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven. And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. A large group of angels. Some say it numbered at least in the hundreds. Perhaps in the thousands. Why did God send an army of angels to the shepherds? What do you think? Say it again. He's the God for all. But he didn't even send an army of angels to Mary or to Joseph. But he did to these men who thought so little of themselves. I think it demonstrated God's regard for these men. I think God meets us where we need to be met. And these men would have had great, great doubts that God would speak to them about anything. But look at the evidence. Look at how many witnesses when He filled the sky with angels. I wonder how many of us are like these shepherds. We've grown up around faith especially if you grew up in the South. You you know, virtually everyone in the South embraces faith at some level, but it's in a nominal way. It's not in a way that impacts their lives or influences their decision-making. They all know something about Christ, but they've never had an encounter with Him. They've never had a personal experience with Him. And I wonder how many of us Or like that. We've even been in the church. You come to church. Maybe even regularly. But have you ever had that personal encounter. That changed your life. That transformed who you were. Now some of us it may be that our lifestyle. Or mistakes we've made in the past. Have convinced us not to get too close. To this Savior. We know we wouldn't really be accepted by the Messiah. Just as some of you at different times in your life, I thought you wouldn't be accepted by Christians. You're not going to church. Maybe you think they wouldn't accept you, and perhaps you even thought of all churchgoers as hypocrites. But there was something in you that doubted whether you belonged, whether God was calling to you. Sin. Your sins were just too great, just like these shepherds. And so like these shepherds, You've been around the edge. You've been staying in the fields nearby. You've been in walking distance of faith. But you've never had your life transformed. You've never come in to be accepted, to be included in God's kingdom. These outsiders, you see, they became seekers who were willing to search. And that was a commonality of both of them. They had to both do some traveling. And so we continue with these shepherds at verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. you think they were hesitant? Would you have been? If you were good. Any apprehension? Do you see any apprehension? There's not in that voice. But I think there must have been someone. Any of you know anyone skeptical? You know anyone stubborn? You know anyone hesitant? I mean, they're not sitting with you, but maybe from the other service. Maybe in the family that you'll see, you know, next week. I think there had to be someone among these shepherds because there's a few in every group. And they, were, they had doubts about whether they'd be received. I mean, thinking about it, you're a shepherd. You know how people view you. This announcement by these angels is that a king has been born. In fact, he's called the Messiah, the King, the Lord. Those people aren't going to let us get near him. Those parents won't let us touch that child or get anywhere near him. But then the other one said, but wait a minute, that angel said this was for all people. And then the whole sky was full of these angels. And they were all saying the same thing. And so, yeah, they're arguing and some said, oh, no, these temple temple officials, you know they'll already be there. They're going to get there first and they won't let us anywhere near him because we're unclean. But I think the appearance of the angels, I think it required angels. And it may have required hundreds, thousands to convince them they truly were invited. And maybe even the fact that this child would be found lying in a manger where animals stayed might have encouraged them that that this was a common person From a family of humble means. And maybe not that unlike us. So they went. Verse 16. It's interesting how they went. They hurried. So what would they do? They ran. They ran to the village. And they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby. The Greek means an infant. Lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Now remember, I've already told you that these people were shunned. These people were looked at with contempt. So what's happened? They have seen this baby and they're telling everybody. Do the people want to hear it? No. They don't want to be anywhere near these shepherds, but they're intrigued by what they're saying. These shepherds had a personal encounter with Jesus, and it changed them. It changed them from men who lived with a shameful awareness of their low status to bold proclaimers of good news. You remember that day? Do you remember the day when... Your view went from being self-focused to being God-focused and others-centered instead of self-centered. That's what's happened. Because whenever they thought about themselves, it was a sad thought. They avoided people. That's not what they're doing here. They're completely changed. Verse 20 continues this theme. The shepherds went back to their flocks. But they went back different, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. These men didn't just see a baby lying in a manger, which might have not been that unusual actually. They had encountered God in human form and they knew it because they knew they had uh, had had some kind of connection some kind of encounter some kind of experience with God even though they were just looking at this child in very humbly humble even dirty means i mean it he was wrapped in strips of cloth but they had to be carried on the back of a donkey for over 70 miles the the circumstances don't make any sense There had to be a supernatural experience happen to change these men. And the same thing happened to these wise men. I think they came later. They may have come as much as two years later since they had seen the star two years earlier. But flip over there to Matthew. Let's see how their story ends. Verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time where the star first appeared. Go to Bethlehem, they told him a year. Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Is that what he wanted to do, to worship? What did he want to do? Want to murder him. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Is this a star? Come on. It can't be a star. How could a star take you to a house? What'd you say? supernatural that's an easy answer but it actually took them to this house when a star is in the heavens thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away miles away it can't stop over one location over one single structure in a town it couldn't have been a star as we think of stars what could it have been Could it have been an angel? Somebody said an angel. Could have been. Could it have been the Shekinah of God's glory? Shekinah means brilliance of God. And it was found in the Holy of Holies. What about that other fire? The fire at the burning bush. I wonder if someone could have interpreted that as a star if instead of in a bush it was overhead. It couldn't have been a star as we think of stars out in the galaxy but it was it was a method that god guided them and this says when they saw the star they were filled with joy this is an accurate translation but it doesn't carry the impact see what's happened is they saw the star they traveled they didn't see a star again until after they talked to Herod and then They were filled with joy. But a more accurate Greek translation would be, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. There's numerous superlatives. So in other words, they were overwhelmed with excitement. Apparently, the star had disappeared. And when it reappeared, they did follow it to Jesus. Verse 11. They entered the house... Not a stable, though the the stable could have been a part of a house, but we don't know if he's he's certainly not in the same part of the house, and he might be in a different house now. And they saw the child, a different Greek word, not an infant. This is a small child, like a toddler now. With his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold frankincense, and myrrh. So it appears that they came later. That's why when we had our nativity set out, we would put the, the kings on the other side of the room <laughs> because they didn't arrive at the birth of Jesus. They showed up later. And they saw a small child, not an infant, in a house, not in a manger, in an animal stall, which confirms that they arrived sometime after Jesus' birth. But the interesting thing is that these these were prominent men. These were men who advised kings. They were in the throne room. They were much respected. They were affluent. They were men of learning and influence. And they were worshiping a child born into poverty. It would require revelation from God to convince these magi that this child was the Messiah because nothing about His appearance or circumstances would indicate He was anything special. Certainly not a king. But something happened, and we see it in verse 12. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream Not to return to Herod. Now these were men who obeyed kings. They served kings. They recognized king's authority. They also knew of king's wrath. And yet here what we see is a change of allegiance. And they're following God's direction. Delivered to them supernaturally in a dream. And ignoring Herod's instruction. All of us have been outsiders. And God calls outsiders from far away. And he calls outsiders from nearby. To come and see his son. The Messiah King. The one who came to earth. For us. And it's interesting. That God used the star. To call astronomers. And he used an animal feeding trough when he invited shepherds and I think when he calls each of us he will use something or someone we're familiar with we're attracted to we won't miss when we're invited to the musician it's through music often to the artist it may be through paintings or sculpture To the one who loves creation, it might be something in nature. To the scholar, it'll be through books. To the outdoorsman, it'll be through something in nature. But God reaches us in a way we will not miss. It might be through a person. Someone you're familiar with. Someone who can speak to your mind and your heart. Whose motivation you'll never doubt. So who's calling to you or what's beckoning you to the Savior? And are you willing to walk? Will you travel? Will you seek? Will you search to where you can find Him? Deuteronomy 4.29 says this, And if you search for Him with all your heart and soul, you will find Him. Let me urge you, call on God to show you Himself. There's not a better time than Christmas. It's not enough to know the the Jesus of Bethlehem from Christmas cards and carols. It's not enough to know the One who was communicated to those far away by supernatural events like stars. You have to have a personal experience with Christ, an encounter, and it'll leave you changed. There'll be people here to talk to you, to pray with you, to anoint you with oil for healing as soon as I close the service. They'll also be in the Care Connection room across the concourse. Father, we thank you. You've come to us in ways we wouldn't miss. You've called us to yourself. And in your call is the assurance that we'll be accepted. Lord, I pray that this Christmas might be a time of coming for many in this room right now. A time when they experience experience you truly and they're changed. They're transformed. In Christ's name, amen.
0: We are grateful for you joining us for the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We hope you'll join us for one of our three candlelight Christmas Eve services on Saturday, December 23rd at 5 p.m. and on Sunday, Christmas Eve at both nine and 11. Brookwood Kids is available for children ages birth through two. Special friends and overflow venues will meet upstairs. Please plan to arrive early. There is a daily devotional companion for the Jesus at the Center of Christmas series. This will help you spend time with God every day. You can find the daily devotional at the church after the Sunday services and on the Brookwood Church app. And on the app, you'll notice that you can now share the day's devotion you're reading with your friends and family through text messaging, email, or your social media. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas.